Come on, put your hands together. Give the Lord a praise. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you and we give you praise. I don't know why they ain't asked me to join the praise team so I can sing along with them. And I want to give the Lord a praise for Destiny Generation. God bless you. Thank y'all for your hospitality. Amen. Minister John Davis asked me, he says, um, is there a bio? And I was like, man, I don't want a bio read. I mean, I feel like I'm at home, you know, these y'all my people. Hey, Amen. why don't you just give the Lord a praise just for our churches coming together and, and fellowship in a little bit and, and praising God together. I want to thank the Lord for my friend, Pastor David Johnson and Lady Nedra and their absence. And uh, I consider it a privilege to be asked to come here because of uh, I know the, the weightiness of the word here. Amen. And uh, I also want to thank the Lord for Apostle Ruby Johnson. And um, I have been here so many times in life. And uh, I just love the direction and what you guys are doing. So God bless you. Amen. Amen. And I want to also thank the Lord for Minister Eva and Jonathan Jarrett. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for uh, just your hospitality. Amen. Well, I'm on assignment. And... And uh, my wife gives me about 20 good minutes to preach. And so I'm going to get it in and get on out the way. We want to greet all of the uh, all the guests and those that came. God bless you. Thank you for having us today. And uh, real quick, let's go to Romans, the 12th chapter. At Hannah God Ministries, we've been talking. Uh, our theme for 2018 is building people and bridging dreams. Amen. And um, as we've been looking at this particular theme I really felt uh, it was actually last part of uh, 2017 I really felt the need to talk about love I'm sorry I think the mic went out love amen love you know because sometimes I think that when we imagine being spiritual or being anointed and being profound we forget that it's really just the love of God that is the most profound thing that we can never, ever ascertain. So anyway, let's go to Romans 12 and 9. And uh, I'm going to ask you just to stand as we read the word. Just have a couple scriptures. God bless you. Thank you so much. Romans 12, the ninth, ninth verse through the 13th verse. So I say, God bless the praise team and the, the musicians. Romans 12, you got it? Can we read this together? One, two, three, can we read? Uh-huh. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, prefer one another. Y'all reading with me? Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Amen. Now, I want to draw your attention. You may be seated. I want to draw your attention just real quick, and I have just a couple points that I would like to share. 
I'm going to draw your attention to Romans 12 and 9 again. Now, anybody got an old school King James Bible with them? Anybody? No? You'll notice that in many of your translations or in many of your Bibles, it starts off, it says, let love be without dissimulation. You see that? Now, in the original text of this, that word let does not exist. See, if you let love or if you think that you can let love or let God's love, if you let it, you, you'll start managing who you think should get love based upon their performance. And so in an original translation, it just says, love be without dissimulation. Now, I like that dissimulation because it, 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 the word really is love is not disguised. Love is not hidden. Love is not with hypocrisy. All right. But in here it says, let love, let love be without dissimulation or love be without dissimulation. That let. And here it gives the impression to say uh, that we permit love or we do not permit love. Any married men in the room? I will go there, but I guess that's going to be a touchy subject for some of the married men. All right. But, as, but the word let, the word let gives the impression that we are, we are, we have the ability to have God's love or not give God's love to people. And as long as we look at God's love as something that we manage versus what we can distribute, then we will manage God's loves based upon a person's performance. If they preach like us, if they sound like us, if they dress like us, if they teach like us, if they sing like us, if they praise like us. And maybe that's been the issue with the body. Maybe the issue with the body is that we think that we can let love versus love just being the way it's supposed to be. Tell your neighbor, let no, it's not let love, just love be. Tell your neighbor, lo, let love be. Let love be. So in essence, love becomes managed if we, if we grab the scripture and we, we think of it like let love be. Love becomes managed. And if love becomes managed through our own feelings about the recipient, it runs the risk of becoming performance driven. Somebody say amen. And if it's performance driven, then we only give love based upon satisfactory actions. I'm talking. If love then is managed through our own feelings, if love then is managed and it's decided that we'll give it based upon performance, then we'll also find that we'll manage love or we'll love people if they fit in our cliques. If they fit in our groups, if they got the same last name, 
if they share our same denominational beliefs. Tell your neighbor, he, he going to get you. He going to get you there. He's just warming you up a little bit. I was uh, I was I was I was captivated by this word because. I guess for a long time, I've been thinking that Christian folks are just full of God's love. Unless they work in a kitchen committee, you know what we say, or they work in some kind of auxiliary, and then they had the permission to have that mean spirit. <laughs> but when I found out that we don't let God's love, or we don't let love, love just be, it disarms me with people that I think don't deserve God's love. Uh, anybody... Uh, any uh, any married couples in the room? Well, I'm a married I'm a married couple. Or let me talk to married couples. Married couples, have y'all ever gotten an argument? I'm sorry, a little louder. Married couples, have y'all ever gotten an argument? All right. Anybody ever been in a relationship? And y'all got an and y'all got an argument? Okay, now now y'all was live and we're doing praise and worship. I need y'all to work with me on this. Okay, so when you're in a relationship. And did they ever do something that you held against them for a while? Like going to get a TV without permission. How's that? And you said, I'm not going to forgive them until they. Right. She said, take the TV back. My point is that we have an issue with trying to manage God's love. And I think the reason why we're losing a generation is because they're looking for distributors of God's love and not managers of God's love. What happens when we manage love is that we'll start to manage love based upon how that person looks like us. And what's funny is that we'll, we will start giving the love of God if they act like us. The more they dress like us, it's like the more we love them. The more they sing like us, the more we love them. And the more they preach like us, oh my God, we love them. And the, the, so... If not careful, we manage love or we give love if they look like us, which really is just being narcissistic. And some kind of way in the body, we've become in love with our own image. And then we'll love people if we see our image in them. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Say love. Love. So we say, so I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I get around, I don't get along with Arabs and I don't, I don't get along with this group and I only get along with people like myself. I, I don't even believe we can have real growth without diversity. All our churches shouldn't be black. All our churches shouldn't be white. All our church churches should be Asian. All our churches should be that way. And I don't think we can have real growth without diversity. But what happens is that we manage God's love and we only give to people that act like us. Let me show you something real quick. Y'all remember this story in Greek mythology about narcissists? Anybody ever had Greek mythology? 
All right, so when I was in high school, we had Greek mythology. We had to learn about gods like Zeus and Poseidon and uh, a place called Hades, etc. But anyway, uh, I, I showed this. Can you bring that up? Did you get that image? No? So I sent this image about this uh, is a, a god named uh, Narcissus. And Narcissus, he had an enemy, enemy named Nemesis. And Nemesis, Nemesis, you know, somebody's your Nemesis. Y'all help me, Nemesis. Come on, I went to public school. Nemesis. 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 I'm, just, I'm trying to get y'all into it. I, got, I, I know what I'm saying. I figure I'm getting a little talk back here. Nemesis, right? So Nemesis finds out that Narcissus uh, disdains when people say he loves them, when they say they love him. So Nemesis gets Narcissus to go to a pool of water. And Narcissus falls in love with his image. To the point he stops eating and he stops, uh, he stops imagining that he has a reason to live. There it is. Thank you, sir. So he's so in love with his image. He's so in love with how he looks. He's so in love with his public opinion or how it looks to other folks that he never connects with anybody else. And I think that there's a, a struggle in the body like that because God wants us to start embracing people. God wants us to start distributing his love. And I'm telling you, it's not just so we can be, you know, flower children and, you know, walk around with balloons and looking silly. I'm not talking about that kind of love. I'm talking about love is something that should be distributed. And what's interesting is that when love is distributed, God will continue to fill the distributor. Somebody say amen. amen. Let me show you this real quick. Look at this definition of dis distribution, distributor. I wrote this down. Distributor. Remember, we're talking about let love. And I, I know we read that, but I'm telling you, we think that we can have power over God's love. And I, I believe that the greatest anointing is to allow God's love to flow with us without us. Without our prejudices and without our, you know, our prerequisites of them. God ever told you to give clothes to folks? Anybody? Or, or empty out your closet? All right. Uh, you know, my wife dresses up and Sister Eva dressed up, I'm sure. God and said, give your dresses to a, a woman in the church or somebody, whatever. And then that thought comes to mind. Well, she ain't going to know how to take care of this. Right. God told me, give my suits to somebody. I was like, I don't want to see him up in church with my suits on. And he may put a better combination together than I did. Right. Tell you never be a distributor of God's love. Now, a distributor, by definition, is the intermediate entity between the producer of a product and the channels of supply that it is needed or that has a demand. That's a distributor. It's the intermediate entity between the producer of a product 
and the channels of supply that is needed or has a demand. Can I get two people real quick? Two people real quick, real quick. Two people. Sweetie. All right. This is Michelle. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. So a distributor is what now? What does it say up there? Between. Tell you, neighbor, you're going to love this part right here. All right. So God's plan is not that we manage love. God's plan is that we be a distributor of his love. Now, a distributor of his love means that if this is God, that he gives me something that I see the need over here to to give. All right. That's distribution. Okay. now love is not just this. Oh, I'm sorry. That's my. uh, That's the voice of, you know, like my woman's voice, like, oh, I love you. (laughs) That's not love. That's called affection. When God starts talking about being a distributor, he wants to distribute to us what he has so that we he want to give us what he has so we can be distributors to our community in our city. Now, I love this part because if God has wealth, he wants to give us wealth so that we can be distributors of that to the community. What happens is that we want to block off the folks that we're supposed to give it to and we want to receive from God and then manage if we're going to give it to them based upon their criteria. Based upon if they go to our church or not. In my Baptist voice, am I right about it? All right, so if we manage God's love, she's God, and she keeps giving me stuff and things and food. Remember with Jesus? Remember that little boy came, he had those five loaves of bread, and he had those uh, two fish. Is it fish or fishes? Okay. He had those two fish, right? And what did he say? Them disciples, they got those five loaves of bread and they got those two fish and they just ate it amongst themselves? No. What did they do? They distributed. Could it be that God is trying to get something to you to get something through you for somebody else? But could it also be that the Lord has been correcting us because we've been managing his love, managing his resources and stuff he's trying to get to us. We got an issue with folks. Woo-hoo. Amen. Say you never be a distributor. Not a manager. Thank you so much. Let me, let me read this to you real quick and I'm almost done. No, go to Romans 8.19 real quick. Romans 8.19. And I got uh, eight minutes here. Romans 8, 19. Can you remember distributor is the intermediate entity between the producer of a product and the channels of supply? I so love this because I don't have to create the product. Come on. I just got to give it away. The woman of God starts talking about seed today. I love that. She's talking about seed. Seed to the sower. Right? God gives seed to the sower. He didn't ask you to create seed. He just says, give it away. Wow. 
But what happens, we start getting plagued with saying things like, oh, shoot, this is my last 50. Tell your neighbor, it's never your last 50 unless you go be with Jesus. I promise you, you're going to get another 50. You can get another 20. Oh, this is my last. This is my last. Stop prophesying to yourself. This is your last. It's not your last. It will never be your last unless you go be with the Lord right then. Just think about that. I would give to destiny generation, but this is my last 50. Or better yet, you got a 20 in your pocket. And then you say to the ushers, you meet. So and I saw that seed, saw that seed. That's my last 20. All right, so here we go. Romans 8, 19, what does it say? It says, the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of who? Please note that it says sons, plural, not singular. In other translations, it says that uh, all the earth is waiting on the sons of God to be revealed. Please look at somebody and say, please look at somebody and tell them that somebody's waiting on you. See, when it says sons of God, it's not talking about just Jesus now. It's talking about you and I as well. And somebody is waiting on you. Watch this. This will this be interesting. Somebody is waiting on you to reveal who the Lord is. And this is why this is why the anointing, this is why the word is dealing with our hearts so that we can look at humanity the right way. So we can stop managing who we think should get God's resources. Did you know that we really don't have a resource problem in America? We really don't have a resource problem on the planet. I know we see those pictures and I hate when they do this like on TBN or TCT and they show the children that's in Africa or whatever. And it always my heart. But, you know, what I always say here in America, we overweight. And over there, they're, they're, they're under the malnutrition, malnourished. Y'all help me. I told you that high school education. So food is not the problem. Here in our beloved city of Flint, we got money. Oh, trust me. We have money in the city of Flint. Money is not the problem. It's distribution. Because somebody is managing it and they're doing good in their management. It's something because we'll put 10 million to put a capital theater back together or 50 million, but we won't fix the streets though. So money is not the problem. It's a distribution problem. We, we got the resources, don't we? All right. But manage. Let me give you this definition real quick and I got five minutes. Manage means to have control and make decisions where resources, time, and direction of where someone believes their career should go. A manager. You know, we look at God like God is our manager instead of our father. That's why we say things like, I got to go work for the Lord. He's not your boss. He's your father. Imagine this is my son. This is my older son. Stand up, older son. This is my oldest son, Lee. He's a high school graduate, all A student, maybe, a, maybe an occasional B every now and then. That's B's and Bravo. Imagine. Now, he probably feel like at times he's working for his dad. Oh, yes. Clean the kitchen. Son, as you do this, son, I do that. But I'm his father. I'm not his boss. 
But as long as my son thinks I'm his boss or God is a manager, as long as he thinks that his father is a manager, he'll believe that what he gets from me is based on his performance. And he'll have love or he'll, he'll express love through his performance-driven efforts. And some of our churches are plagued by this, so we have to sing love in order to God to hear us. And we got to re-enter in. So he'll come off from Mars and come amongst us. And if we go in hard, then God will love us and he will give us what we need. God is not a manager. If anything, he's a distributor. So God, for God so loved the world that he gave. And he didn't give because the world was so good. Now, it's interesting because I guess if I was God, I'd be like, well, I don't know if I'm going to give my only son. Because I don't know what they're going to do with him. You know, like our clothes. They ain't going to take care of him. They ain't going to know how to. We try to manage what God tells us to give freely. All right. So manager, what did we say what manage was? It says to have control. I want you to point at somebody and say, stop being so controlling. Oh, yeah, we didn't want to do that. Look at that. We didn't want to look. We didn't want to say, because you know you are a control freak. You want to control everything. <laughs> All right, let me I'll go past that. Hey, man, I got three minutes. I think our homes would be happier as marriage couples if we just learned to be distributors and not manager. Where the men at? Woo! Man, I see y'all. Y'all beat down. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Like, <laughs> women, stop managing that couch. Things don't go well. You go sit on a couch. You go sleep on a couch. That's too touchy. Too soon? Too soon? All right. <laughs> Genesis 131. I want to prove that we don't have a, a, a resource problem. We're almost done. Why don't you give the Lord a praise real quick? Amen. <laughs> Genesis 131. And God saw everything that he made. And behold, I like this part. It says, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. I did this teaching a while ago that God does, God does his greatest work in the dark. The day starts in the dark. Every, whenever you look in the scripture, the day starts in the dark. Isn't that lovely? Because I thought that God does it during the day. When I get it together, then God starts working in my life. Nope. It was when I was at the bar. It was when I was doing this. It was when I was doing that. God works in the dark. So here it is. God saw everything he made. Behold, it was good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Tell you never, God works in the dark. All right. So here it is, though. The evening and the morning was the sixth day. But he said everything he everything was good. Now, I, I looked up those words good, or very good, and it means this, mother. It means that it was bountiful, it was plenteous, it was uh, and it was prospering. So God looked at 
Everything he did, prove that we don't have a resource problem. Everything he did, it was bountiful, it was plenteous, and it was prospering. I want you just to lay your hands on yourself and say, God looked at everything he did. I am bountiful, I am plenteous, and I am prospering. All right? Because he didn't do it for the earth, the planet, and not do it for you and I. All right, now watch this. He created me with glory. He created me. Oh, let me, let me show you this. Let me show you this real quick. And we're, we're, we're in here. Romans 12, back to Romans 12 and 10. Can you remember what I was talking about when it says let love? If we let it, we're trying to manage versus love just being. OK, uh, sometimes as, as a man, um, um, sometimes I'm bound with that because I try to manage. I try to manage love and I don't want to be looked at as being weak. I don't want to be looked at as being a certain way. So I'm going to manage how I give love. But if I'm a distributor of God's love. Then I give it freely because what I give God also restores and refills inside of me, right? Give, and it should be what? Well, so who, who gives first, though? It says give. So that's, I initiate it. Give. And then it will be given. Right? All right, so here we go. Where, where are we now? Romans 12 and 10? All right, now we're going to end here. Turn there, we're going to love this part right here. Be kindly affection one to another. I know we want to win the world for Christ, but I think we need to win a person on our road. <laughs> Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor. See this? Preferring one another. Right? The Greek word for honor is this word called value. Value. Okay? Value. But I love how it says this. It says, uh, be kind of affection one to another in honor, preferring one another. That word preferring is interesting because it's the same word that we get. Uh, it, it means to defer judgment. Uh, it means to, it's, it's showing deference, right? It's, uh, it's, it's the same word when we can't pay a creditor and we say, can we defer a payment? All right. That means what is what does that mean to you when I say defer? What does that mean? Can we put that off until the end of the month? All right. All right. So when we show deference to or we prefer one another, we are showing honor by not showing or give or showing casting judgment on people. All right. I'm talking about I'm talking about God's love, not management. And if we prefer one another, if we show deference to one another, if we uh, we decide not to give or give judgment to people because of when they leak. Wow. Or give deference to people because of something we may see they're perceivably doing wrong. I'm not talking about sins that send people to hell. I'm talking about just character flaws. But when we show deference, when we defer judgment on them, the Bible says I'm showing honor. Glory to God. You remember the scripture says uh, children love or honor your mother, your father. Yes. 
right? It's one of the only one that has a commandment, uh, I mean, a blessing to attach to a commandment. It serves love or honor your, your mother and your father that your days will be go long and it will go well with you in the land that God gives you. Right. That honor is interesting because one part of the honor is children. When your when your parents are tripping, don't show don't don't judge them. Yeah, don't judge them. Right. Show honor to them. Right. You remember, I'll say this. You remember when um, you remember when Noah got this great revelation from God? There was no bishop there. There was no there was no no mic system. There was no affirmation. I don't know where Noah was, but this voice must have came to Noah and says, build me an ark. Because I'm going to rain on the earth for 40 days. I'm going to completely destroy everything. And Noah, scripture says he moved with obedience and he started building this ark. And Minister Eva, he preached for 100 years and only eight people got saved. And so he, he built this ark. And when he built the ark, the moment he was done, boom, here comes the rain. And I can imagine Noah at the family reunion saying, yeah, yeah, Doc, uh, the Lord told me to build an ark. And uh, he said that the, the water is going to fall from the clouds. And uh, and because you know they had never seen rain because a mist came up on the earth, and you know, yeah, Doc, and uh, and he he gonna the see those white things? He gonna make water fall from the white things on the earth, and it's gonna destroy everything. So you gotta come to my church. And I can imagine him at the family reunion, be like, yeah, you know, they you know Noah drinks a lot, you know. <laughs> Talking about it's going to rain, water going to fall from the sky. So anyway, so he does that. He preached for 100 years on the eight people got saved. And then it happens just like that. His sons and his son, his son's wives, they're all blessed because they're not sleeping with the fishes. And they they have obeyed what their father told them to do. They're in this ark. They get off the ark. They're the kings of the planet. They rule everything because everything is washed away. And Noah's excited because his ministry is the first ministry on the planet now. There's nobody left. And the scripture says he got the, the grapes and he starts being a, or a husbandman over his, over his own vineyard. He starts drinking. He gets drunk and he falls asleep in this tent. And one of his sons comes in and sees their father's nakedness and goes out and say, come look at dad. He is drunk. The scripture says that Japheth and Shem, they got a blanket and they walked in backwards, refusing to look on their father's nakedness. You know why? Because they were esteeming honor greater than fault. And then in the New Testament, we start learning that love, the distribution of love is found when we give honor to people and we prefer them. We don't judge them, but we actually put them first. And so today, I feel like God wants to take us to the next level, whatever that means. But it's not in my tongue talking. It's not in my prophesying. It's not in my preaching. 
that would be a good time for y'all to say, oh, pastor, sing your preaching. But that's okay. It's not my preaching. It's not my prophesying. It's not my tongue talking. It's not my singing. It's not how I can exegete a scripture. It's how I can love. How I can distribute God's love and not try to manage who I think is worthy of God's love. And I feel like that's the next level. I, I know it's not as profound as what they may say on TVN. But I think we have to get back to where the anointing really is. And the anointing really is that raw love of God. And I believe he's going to bring resources through us, to us, so they can go through us. My old bishop used to say, God wants us to be a fountain here for the kingdom. And I believe that God wants to use us. And I believe also the things that we're dealing with right now is God is trying to get our hearts right. So we'll stop trying to manage and control people, control where the resources go. So just stand with me today. I want to pray. Thank you for coming to church. Thank you, Destiny Generation, for having us. prophesy this together. Let's say this together. My next level is expressing and distributing God's love. Not managing it. My next level is to be a fountainhead for the kingdom of God. Not managing it. So Father, I pray, Lord, Father, I pray for Destiny Generation, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for these great people. I thank you, Lord, for the graces on this house, the profound teaching ability, Lord, and the insight and the principles and the formulas and how they evaluate the word, God. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for Apostle. I thank you, Lord, for Pastor David. I thank you, Lord, for Lady Nedra, all the ministers, the staff. And I thank you, Lord, God, for the resources that's about to hit this house. That they will be known as a distribution center, not a place of management, not a place of control, but a distribution center. And Lord, bless the houses, God. You said, Lord God, you wanted our barns to be full. We don't want us to have full barns just to have wheat in our barns. You want us to have full barns that we may distribute to others. So Lord, I pray for prosperity. I pray for resources. I pray, Lord, for wit and wisdom, Lord. And I thank you, Lord God, for the invite. But I more so thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in this house and doing in the hearts of your people, God. Lord, bless them. Bless them to be distributors of your love. And I thank you right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, if you love him, would you just mind giving the Lord just a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us.